0: Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name is Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to yet another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 397, which is kind of a big deal as we close in on the big 400. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well being is a parent's self understanding. We have a power packed show today, sweetie. Mm hmm. We have a punchy, power-packed show. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Brene Brown. We're going to talk about a um, Facebook message I got from a listener that's pretty important, I think. Uh, we we'll talk a little bit about the conference. Sure. Um, and then I want to share the story at the end, if possible, those two stories. Do you remember?
1: Maybe, yes. I know the stories, so I think they're awesome. It's just about how we're, what we're going to try and fit in.
0: And don't forget about my quick takes,
1: which that's the thing is. There's we just no. We that's
0: not the thing. That that's the thing.
1: We have an, a very a very aggressive schedule, and I don't.
0: I, hey, man, these listeners deserve it. Are You trying to say the listeners don't deserve it, oh sweetie? Boy, no. Um. So first, um, I listen to uh, a lot of different podcasts. One of the podcasts I listen to is a White Sox weekly podcast because I'm a White Sox fan. And through uh, listening to this podcast last week, they had a guy named Bill Melton. <clears throat> Excuse me, Bill Melton. And he is a former White Sox, and he won the home run championship, whatever, in the 70s. And he told a story about two Yankees players. And I think this is insane, and I already shared this with you. And they had—there's uh, two Yankees players in the 70s. One's guy's name was Fritz Peterson, and one guy's name is Mike Kekich. For the baseball encyclopedia people out there, they probably know who these two people are, but it has to do with something I still i am trying to get my arms around. So these two guys are probably best remembered today for swapping wives and children with each other, an arrangement that the pair announced at spring training in March of 1973. The Peterson and Kekich families had been friends since 1969. Peterson and the former uh, Suzanne Kekich are still married, but the relationship between Kekich and Marilyn Peterson did not last very long.
1: Okay, so they switched lives. They switched wives.
0: families. They switched families. They moved, apparently they moved into each other's house. How's your headphones? That's,
1: they're so loud. So whenever you like, sure. just turn it down a teeny bit. Perfect. Thank you. So um, they switched homes. So like one guy one moved, guy into, moved the into the other permanently. Home. And so what about the kids or did they have
0: kids? Yes, there was kids.
1: So one guy took care of the other guy's kids. Yes. Hmm.
0: I brought it up because I still don't even believe it, even though it's true.
1: But one couple ended up lasting and the other couple ended up not lasting.
0: Right. And I don't know how many kids there were. I don't know who had how many kids. I don't know anything, but Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, at Black. At Black. Are going to make a movie out of it. They're the producers. It's, it's a go. It's a green light. They're doing it. Oh, really? And they wanted to play these two guys so Matt and Ben can be back together on the screen. But apparently the schedules didn't work out. So they're having two other actors play these uh, guys. Bummer. And I think this might be because they're Red Sox fans and it just makes these Yankee players. You know, Yankees, Red Sox.
1: Well, hopefully, their motivation was that it was a good story, not to be first things first. Yeah, first things first. Um, So, but and you're also assuming that it has all negative connotation.
0: I don't know. know, and 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 this is my judgment hat. But as much as I love my friends and my friends' wives and their families, I don't want to trade wives or families.
1: Thanks. I'm glad.
0: I've never even heard of (laughs) this. For the best. I've never heard of this. Well,
1: I don't think it always happens like a, hey, I, you know, here's a deal. Like I know, I was telling you that a story that I had heard, gosh, and I can't remember the podcast, but it was a woman, it was a author, I think maybe it was on the Good Life Project or something. And she had an experience like that where her father ended up living with her mom's best friend and ended up taking care of her kids and it was the same kind of thing where she would only she would go stay with her dad and he was parenting her best friends instead of her and how it's not and then also todd when i was growing up i knew a family that the dad ended up having an affair and you know being with somebody else right and so that couple got divorced. And so that man ended up marrying his mom or his... No, I got that wrong. It was a complete switch of partners. Yeah. You know so maybe I mean?
0: this isn't as crazy as I think.
1: And Shania Twain. That's what happened with Shania Twain. What
0: happened to Shania Twain? Shania
1: Twain was married to Mutt Lang, a producer. The
0: guy's name was Mutt. Yeah. Poor guy.
1: I know. And um, they were married. And then he ended up supposedly... He says this... Uh, I can't say that he's admitted to all this, but he supposedly had an affair with a very good friend of theirs. Mm-hmm. And so it broke up that marriage. And the guy that was married to the good friend and Shania Twain are now married. So mm-hmm. they switched partners, too.
0: I think the weird weirdest part about it is that these two Yankees pitchers made an announcement right. as if the wives were just coming along for the ride. You
1: know what? We just decided to do something. So so
0: if the movie comes out, I'm going to see it because it's just interesting to me. So all anyways, right. um. Can we do my thing first or do you want to start with Brene? I mm-hmm.
1: would rather start with this. Okay. What is your thing?
0: It's the I'm the keeper thing.
1: Oh, yeah. Can we, I would like that to be kind of like the end because that's more like a question. Don't I you I know, feel but like- there's
0: a lot there. No, but a lot there. I know, you got a lot too. So let's start with you.
1: Okay. So here's the thing. We're not gonna talk about everything in Brene Brown's new book. She has a new book out called Braving the Wilderness. And the reason that Todd wants to start with the others, because he hasn't read it yet. And I, I understand, like he, you know, he wants to like understand what we're talking about. Here's the but... We're going to see her Wednesday night, tomorrow so night. that'll be tomorrow night, and so we'll have even more of a conversation on the next show about the details, but the reason that I wanted to at least bring up this book is because it is um, it is essential reading right now as far as what's going on in our world, Okay, and it is, I think if we just kind of talk about some of the language that she's using, it doesn't matter that she didn't read the book. Like, it's, this is a... Um, You know, what Brene does so well, and I think everyone will agree, is she kind of, she does the research and comes up with new definitions.
0: Oh, sorry about that.
1: And so we can make challenging things more um accessible accessible and <clears throat> and have everyday language for it okay. because a lot of times we end up feeling like we you know I don't I don't know what this is I just feel it. And so this book again it's called Braving the Wilderness: The Quest for True Belonging and the Courage to Stand Alone. And really it's about how to belong to yourself. And it was interesting because the week before I got this book, I happened to be talking about belonging and fitting in with my college kids. And I had kind of, like, broken out the difference between fitting in and belonging. And fitting in, just if you guys are like, well, what is the difference? Fitting in is our ability to acclimate to a situation. Okay. So do you remember – I mean, even now, we don't even have to talk about high school. But do you feel like you – when you're in a situation with your friends from college versus your friends from Elmhurst versus your work friends that you kind of acclimate to who they are and what they do? You kind of take on a certain – um, make- if I'm
0: with my college buddies, I'm going to act like more of an idiot. Okay. And if I'm with, you know, my men's group guys, I'm probably going to not be as much of an idiot. Although because there you- are a few men's group guys that I'm actually more of an idiot with those guys. <laughs>
1: because you want, it's more of a leadership role. Yeah. And now that doesn't mean when I say that I should probably take that deeper. Fitting in is more about the need to feel like you belong. And so maybe acting different or taking on the um, the behavior or personality of a group that you're with. Yeah. And I think most people who are listening, majority of people do that. I think that we – I, you know, we often talk about this even with our own kids, like – why do we become a different person when we're around our children but then when our friend walks in the room all of a sudden we're like happy and funny but then when we're with our kids we're constantly in teaching mode and, and part of that is just role playing and it's a, it's a little different but there is this like we want to fit and belong what is, this is, what is, why are we playing this?
0: Why am I playing this?
1: Oh, <laughs> Karma Chameleon
0: <laughs> Remember where you were, sweetie Boy George. Boy George. a really good song. Do you think so? I do. It's really? catchy. It's upbeat. And I remember the first time I saw Boy George and I thought Boy George was a girl.
1: I think most people did because he... It's like
0: our first introduction to pop star
1: gender fluidity yeah right gender fluidity where he didn't and now if you see him he still wears makeup but he has very short hair Mm. and i think he looks more masculine than he did in the 80s but i think that he he's he's always been gender fluid and has been fine with it
0: i played that song because i think each of us has a little chameleon in them depending if i'm with my kids i'm gonna act and be and carry a certain energy um hopefully not too much different. You know, we talk about like be your true self. Right. Uh, But anyways, we all have it. It's part of it.
1: It is. And you know what? This is kind of like a big conversation. You see how even one thing on this list can become so much because really that's not inherently a bad thing because, you know, as long as we're aware of what we're doing and we have enough self-awareness to understand why maybe we're shifting a little bit in this role and why we're... Because fitting in really can often mean when we are going against our own self-interest or we are not being ourselves to try and make sure that we belong to a group.
0: Not being your authentic self. Not being
1: your authentic self, which I think a lot of us did maybe in high school or college or elementary school, or we're watching our children do that, where they're just trying to, they're like, they're sacrificing their own needs Mm. or their own voice so they can blend into a group. Yeah. That's what fitting in is. Got it. And that's very different than belonging. Belonging is when regardless... Of who you're with that you feel like you can be your authentic self and that you belong, that you can show up and be who you are and speak the things that you believe and that you, that you have a place. Can I play a song? I I think you're going to.
0: (laughs) What's this, sweetie?
1: This is We Belong by Pat Betatar.
0: This isn't as good
1: What do you I mean It isn't as good It's better No Alright like
0: I don't want to play The whole thing Because I'm Disrupting your flow Are you saying
1: flow. That Karma Chameleon Is better than That's what I'm saying Wow For sure It's quite a statement
0: Zen Parenting listeners What's a better song Karma Chameleon Or We Belong We Belong We'll wait for the chorus And then we'll Do the doubts complicate Your mind We we go.
1: So that is a great song, and you can't say anything negative about Pat Benatar because she's my girl.
0: I'm not going to say anything negative. Okay. I, I like Pat Benatar. Yeah.
1: She was, she was like my first, like, um, I want to be her kind of person. Isn't we didn't see... I mean...
0: Isn't there a part in Fast Times where they think somebody's Pat Benatar, but it's...
1: There's a bunch of Pat Benatars. There's a bunch of Pat Benatars. Yeah, this girl, that girl. <laughs> there's a bunch of Pat Benatars. They all had different looks. Yes. Um The leg warmers yes. and the headband. And I didn't necessarily dress like Pat Benatar. I just wanted to be Pat Benatar. And then all of a sudden... Like, you know, that's when videos came out was Love is a Battlefield was mm. the first video with, you it know. It
0: told a story.
1: It told a story. And there was overspeak. Oh, yes. It was beyond just the regular, it was beyond the lyrics of the song. Yes. So they, to- like you said, made a story. And I'm not quite sure the dancing was quite as good as maybe we thought it was then. Really? The- the whole shimmy thing, remember?
0: No, I don't, and most people listening to this don't oh my gosh. either. Yes,
1: they do. Everybody listening, you know what I'm talking about? With the love is a battlefield video. She, there's a pimp, and then all the girls like kind of bust out. And sweetie, so it's like, a
0: manager. It's he's not a pimp.
1: He's a manager, and they all do their little like shimmy kick thing. I could do the whole thing for you right now. That's how. Will you do it at it the is. conference?
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> Please.
1: Maybe we'll show the video. Yes. Okay. So. Belonging is where you feel like you can be your authentic self. Well, we had just talked about that in my college class, like I said, and kind of differentiated between the two. And then I read this book the next week and Brene takes it up a notch to true belonging. Mm. Okay. She actually dives so back in- So
0: levels of belonging.
1: Exactly. So true belonging is being called, let's see, how do I want to, I don't want to do the whole thing. Um. That sometimes belonging means that you will stand alone, that really Ah, the only person you belong to is yourself.
0: Good. Okay.
1: And that sometimes you may not belong to a group, but you will still belong to yourself. And again, her language, then you brave the wilderness of uncertainty and vulnerability and criticism.
0: It's more important to belong to yourself first, because what that, the way I, Interpret that as being your authentic self. And the whole idea is to find a group where you can be your authentic self and belong to the group at the same time, but if it's at your own expense.
1: Right. And you can belong to a group, like, for example, like like a family. Uh-huh. If you are a part of a family, you belong to that group inherently by by blood, by name. But sometimes even within a family, you may have a different opinion. Than everybody in that family. And true belonging is being able to stand in that opinion, not to then throw everybody else under the bus and tell them why they're wrong. That's what the core of this book is. We can do this with civility. But it's okay to not try to do the whole I'm gonna fit in thing once you understand why true belonging is so essential. Because, and again, the core of the book, like the thing that, that the thread that weaves the book together is this quote by Maya Angelo that she read way back when, that she didn't understand and now does understand.
0: Brene didn't understand it? Correct. So
1: I'm going to read it to you and you see if this makes sense to you. So this is Maya. You are only free when you realize you belong no place. You belong every place. No place at all. The price is high. The reward is great.
0: I kind of understand it, but I don't completely understand. You
1: are only free when you realize you belong no place. You belong every place. Yeah, that's
0: the part that confuses no me. No place at all. How can you be in no place and every place well, all at the same time?
1: again, you're being literal. You're acting as if it's actually a place to be. Yeah. And what she's saying is that you're free when you realize you belong. You Okay, let's, let's take it on its head. It's very hard to feel free. When you feel like you belong to some kind of structure that doesn't allow you to grow, expand, change your Mm -hmm. voice and opinion, Mm -hmm. you may belong to a certain group or a certain family or a certain church or a certain bureaucracy, But if within that, you are not allowed any other kind of opinion.
0: Right. You're either you're Christian, you're Jewish, you're Democrat, you're Republican. If you identify as this is the encapsulation of who I am, then it does not allow me the flexibility or freedom to be anything other than what is dictated by the ideology of whatever organization you're talking about.
1: Exactly. And if you have a belief system that maybe in kind of like breaks apart, you know, if it's two sides coming at each other and one side is saying, I'm right, and the other side is saying, I'm right, and you kind of come in the middle and say, you know, I see this and I see this and this is how I see it. Mm-hmm. That That is a true belonging, but you don't belong anywhere. Mm-hmm. So really you're standing alone. So you belong nowhere, but you belong everywhere.
0: You Because if you belong somewhere... It's like handcuffs. It's restraints on who you can be. It could
1: be. it Because, again, let's go back to the core of true belonging. The definition of true belonging is often being called to stand alone, where the be- the belonging is to yourself and what you believe. Like there's a lot of things that I believe and I see a certain way that many people would find contradictory. Mm-hmm. I-, I find them paradoxical and I find them interesting, but I don't think they're contradicting. Yeah. I don't think that one outweighs the other. Right. You know, I don't think that, um, you know, like, you know, a really touchy one in our society is, do you believe in the movement that we should, you know, what Black Lives Matter focuses on in terms of one of the things they focus on in the terms of police brutality, right? right. And that there have been people who have been harmed or killed by police officer mm-hmm. does Does acknowledging that mean you don't support police? right? To me, not at all. right how why are these two things? Where you have to be on one side or the other. Can, not, can you see? Can you know? This is the that black and white
0: thing. People think that you have to be one, all one, or all the other thing.
1: Exactly. Can't you see that you can support and love and be so thankful for the police and the police force and the work they do and what they do for our country and what they choose to do? Actually, I kind of feel like, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but every time I drive by a police officer in Elmhurst where I live, I always think, my goodness... Like, thank you, because mm-hmm. I don't want to do what you do, yeah, like what they what they experience and what they have to see and what they you know live as far as their daily stress levels, yeah. and then at the same time, at the very same time, there are people who have been harmed by the police, and not acknowledging that doesn't make it go away, yeah and choosing to say well i only support this or support that that is where we get into trouble right is that how can why can't both be true and so this is these are the kind of things where this is what true belonging is can you say what you believe and not feel like you have to belong to one side or the other. Can you? That's what braving the wilderness means. Mm-hmm. Now, something interesting, Todd, that um, a, a listener posted on our Facebook page is, you know, the thing I posted yesterday on our page about Pat Carroll's statement about the NFL? Pete. Pete, thank you. Yeah. Pete Carroll's statement. He is the um, coach of the Seattle Seahawks, Correct. Correct. And Pete Carroll put out a statement um, in regards to standing by his players, and that he believed, you know, that people had a right to their own expression, and that, you know, what our leadership had said about uh, firing or not allowing these people to do things of their own free will. Um, he, but Pete Carroll said, "I'm going to stand by my players, mm-hmm. and I'm going to stand by, you know, the individuals." And one of our listeners wrote underneath there. You know, she was like, she was thankful that he had made that statement. And yeah. She also said, did you know that Brene Brown had been with the Seattle Seahawks
0: the week before? Oh, my gosh. I did not and know And so that.
1: she said, this is kind of like Pete Carroll's venturing into the wilderness. Yeah. Because it can be lonely and you can feel like you're lost. Mm. And you can feel like venturing into the wilderness, braving the wilderness, is you're leaving behind yeah. what you what you used to feel was your belonging place. Like I'm either with people or I'm against people or either believe this or I don't what he's doing with that statement, regardless if it was, you know, if he was, uh, if Brene Brown influenced him at all, I don't know if that's the case. He may have done it without meeting her, but that's a braving the wilderness thing. Yeah. Stepping
0: outside of your comfort zone, putting yourself out there. Um, and you know, that's something that we talk about a lot is, you know, it's sometimes easier for us to kind of regress back into inaction because we think it's safer when in fact, really that's the most dangerous thing you can do is not do anything.
1: Well, and that's, it's sometimes a frustration that I have. Um, I don't get frustrated about people not wanting to use social media to talk about things. That's their choice. Like, you know, social media is an option. It's Mm. not something where we all signed a contract saying I will voice my opinion on social media. But it is, I do, I am challenged sometimes when I talk to my clients or, you know, women I work with or friends and they're like, well, I believe this way, but I don't tell anybody. And I think that it's, that it's that inaction. It's that un- inability to speak what you truly believe that can cause the problems. Yeah. It, it, the, not just that person, but when a lot of individuals are in either, because I don't think they're indifferent.
0: That's the, that's the evil triumph quote.
1: Exactly is that for good people to do nothing.
0: Mm-hmm. When, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing.
1: Exactly. And even when I say that, I'm not sitting here saying leadership is evil and, you know, it's not a one side is good, one side is bad. I'm not trying to polarize us. Whatever what, your convictions whatever are is. doesn't matter. Exactly. Is is it's when there's not enough voices. Mm-hmm. Like one, you know, the thing about you know, leading a life where we feel like people have justice and freedom and love and connection, and which, which is, I believe, what everybody wants. I don't care what your political affiliation is. All the people that I've met, regardless, Republican, Democrat, whatever, they all love their kids yeah. and they all want to do well for the world. They're not out there saying, I want to do evil things. There's a very small percentage of people who want to be harmful. And, you know, that is not everybody. Um, but your, uh, I had an important point on that.
0: You want to think about it while I talk about our first partner? Yes,
1: do, because then I'll, I'll bring it back
0: up. So we have a partner called canvaspeople.com. We love Canvas People. And the reason we love Canvas People is because they have this deal going on. Uh, what What are they? They are an easy-to-use photo-to-Canvas service. That takes your favorite photo memories and turns them into beautiful artwork for you to enjoy every day. We actually have a few of them on the walls of our humble abode. So instead of letting your uh, awesome pictures on your phone rot, uh, bring them to life by going to canvaspeople.com. They have uh, served over one million customers, which is quite impressive. And uh, for those of you who know me, I uh, my nickname is Thrifty Mix Saves a lot. So there's a special deal going on that we talk about. Uh, for Zen Parenting listeners, go to canvaspeople.com and buy an eleven by fourteen canvas. And instead of it being sixty nine ninety nine, it'll go to free. That's right, zero dollars and zero cents. You just have to pay shipping. So go to canvaspeople.com and then when go to eleven by fourteen, put in the coupon code ZEN Z E N, and it'll go from seventy bucks down to zero. You just pay shipping. So thank you, Canvas People, for partnering with us. And for those of you listeners, go out there and check them out. All right. What, what did you got?
1: So what I was saying was, I and I did remember, was that everybody wants love and joy and connection and justice, right? Mm-hmm. And really all it takes is a critical mass to get there, right? It's like when I, even when I hear critical mass, it's a tipping point. Mm-hmm. It's like where there is a, when, when people start to voice their opinion, even if they're not in agreement on every single thing and we're not all thinking the exact same way and we're not all following the exact same thing, but we have the understanding that we all want to feel free, and we all want to uh, be able to love our families and to give to our families and whatever it may be. Critical mass is when there's enough voices saying that, that we have a tipping point. And if we have people who decide to not say anything, who say, yes, I believe in love and everything, but I just don't want to get involved, because they're more worried about fitting in. And I'm saying fitting in and not belonging, Mm -hmm. because they're more worried about being able to... um, You know stay with this group of friends or not piss off someone they love or they don't want to get involved and here's the thing i understand it i've lived it and i think i still do at times and you know where i have to question myself and go wait what am i doing so it's not that i don't understand it's that the whole point of this book is that it's time to move beyond that yeah is that you know the whole idea of braving the wilderness is trusting that the wilderness is natural and that there's a lot of people out there doing this kind of thing and that you're not alone. So a lot of people who are thinking, I'm going to go brave the wilderness and I'm going to actually speak my mind and say what I believe, and then everyone's going to leave me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're actually, that's not true. Yeah. Not only could you end up being a leader for other people, but you're going to find other people who are doing the same thing.
0: Well, it's the thing, unless you say it, if you really want to find your tribe the first step is to vocalize what your beliefs are. Yes. And because otherwise, you know, we had one of our listeners on our team Zen and she's looking for a group of like-minded people in her community and Mm -hmm. all that. And I don't know why I thought about her, but, you know, first thing you got to do is put yourself out there saying, hey, I want to talk about whatever, spirituality, self-awareness, Zen parenting. Does anybody else that's out there? And, you know, because that's... A, a miniature, it's a micro bravery. Right, it's right. A, yeah. Put yourself out there. Yeah. So, whatever your convictions are, you got to.
1: Well, and you know what happened with her, right? No. Oh, I, I thought this was the story you're going to tell. No. So, on a Team Zen talk, she was saying, I'm, you know, how do I start a women's circle or how do I find people? And we spent a lot of time talking about that. And then another member of Team Zen who listened later they live lives close by, close by her. That's so, right. they're going to get together for coffee. There you go. So, that's the other thing is unless you put yourself out there and say, um, either here's what I believe, or here's what I'm not getting, or here's something that I'm not seeing, how are you going to know if anybody else is feeling that same way? And it's nerve-wracking, like, you know, Todd, I don't know if you remember, because it's so long ago now, but like the right before I put out my first book, I was petrified, because there was a lot of things. It, now, and people who have read my first book, or even I feel this way now, I read it and go, what was I afraid of? Mm-hmm. Like, it was basically just saying, here's me growing, whatever. But I was... Looking, and saying, looking at certain things a certain way and saying certain things that I had not really said.
0: You exposed yourself.
1: I did. You became
0: vulnerable. I became
1: vulnerable. And if people hated that book mm-hmm. or said, I don't agree with you at all... There's no way for me to try to fit in again. I was basically going to not fit in by saying, here's the things I believe. Now, we all know, or at least I can tell you how the story goes, is that's how I found everybody. You know, that's, I mean, all my older friends are still my friends. It's not like I lost everybody, but maybe a community that I was following, which was do this, say that, do this, go out and give talks. It wasn't working for me. And then all of a sudden when you start saying what you believe – all of a sudden, you're like, oh, look at all these people. Yeah. you know, Some of my best friends now came from that experience. Yeah. So this is what we're talking about and the willingness. You know, I actually – just two things that happened this weekend that Todd experienced with me. One of them was I watched the Lady Gaga documentary – and talk about someone who's put herself out there in a million and one ways, about her own mental wellness, about her own pain, about her own personal experiences, and about her willingness to stand up for people who otherwise don't often have a voice. Right. That's that's wilderness. And she's paid some prices for it. Yeah. Um, and also we watched uh, the 60 Minutes with um, Oops. Oprah. And we had been kind of really looking forward to that uh, because we knew what she was going to do. She had – just so you guys know – Uh, A couple months ago, I think it was December or January, in her Oprah magazine, she did a panel, uh, half Republican, half, or I'll say it this way, half Trump voters, half Hillary supporters, and had them come together and talk. Mm -hmm. And she did an article about it in her magazine. And so she had realized how important that was. So she did the exact, she did a similar segment to that for
0: 60 Minutes. She did.
1: What did you think about it?
0: Um, I, my fuel started burning. What does that mean? Um, there's people that I disagree with, and I just found myself judging and getting mad at those people. Interesting. So so it, what
1: do you do with that energy? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't
0: know. So yeah, there's a bunch of right-wingers, a bunch of left-wingers trying to have a civil conversation. Most of the time they did. They
1: did, I thought. Some
0: of the times they kind of got mad at each other. But no, it was just an exercise of me judging those uh, people that...
1: Think differently. I think differently, and that's that's it too. Is that you know, Todd? I like the language you use. It said it got my fuel burning because that it it got your energy going. Yeah. But then you got to choose what you're going to do with that energy. You got to choose. Are you going to just say all those people suck? They're stupid. Mm-hmm. Or are you going to say I'm interested? Yeah. I'm interested in what what your belief is and what how this affects your life.
0: I was definitely below the line, sweetie. While watching. While watching.
1: I don't think you're below the line right now, though.
0: No, no, I mean I'm not going to throw him under the bus right now, but when I was watching it I was just like I don't understand. Like that's the best language I can use. Right. My more my more raw language was probably like what oh, an idiot.
1: Right. You know. Well, and I think our raw language is what gets us in trouble. Mm-hmm. Is it's not bad to think to yourself what an idiot, but the the moment is am I going to say that online? Right. I I'm always very intrigued by people who on social networking who really go to fight on a thread because I'm not quite sure what's being accomplished there versus I see your point, thank you for sharing, here's how I look at it. And if someone goes after you... It doesn't mean you have to go after them.
0: Like, I kind of feel like maybe they could have done a better job, with the editing of that is, and maybe they address this a little bit. But With the
1: 60 Minutes? Yeah, with 60 Minutes
0: was just to talk about what we have in common, Mm. but maybe that was not as good of TV. You know, it's more fun to see somebody fight than it is to say, because that's really, you know, the first thing you need to do whenever you deal with anybody that you disagree with is you disarm them in a way by telling them, you know, what are some common things that we have going on.
1: There was one moment where a woman started talking about her health care and that she gets migraines every day. And there were two men at the end of the table who uh, I think had said they both supported Trump or voted for Trump. And they both kind of said, well, we just need to fix the, the problem, blah, 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 And Oprah stopped him and said, "Now wait a second. Did you hear what she said? Because mm-hmm. she's crying. Yeah. Like, I'm in pain. And if my health care... And they said, you know what? We did. And I agree. We need to fix our health care system and make sure that doesn't happen to you. And that... See, that's a moment of connection.
0: Right. Except my thing is, if you I, uh, identify with this idea and how to fix health care, this woman's Migraine medicine is going to go away. right? So you can say that, but but you're disagreeing with the mechanics on how to do that.
1: And that's the thing is, but we first, before we get into mechanics, we have to first see each other as human. Right. And we have to first hear each other's stories, and then the mechanics won't seem so polarizing. Yeah. Then we'll say, "Oh, now I get it." Yeah. You know, okay, yeah, this helps my state, but this hurts you. Yeah. Or this will help my family, but it won't help my mom. Yeah. You know, this is going to hurt, you know, the elderly or mm. and and that's the thing is when we fight each other and become defensive, we automatically take a side and we harden up and put on our mask. And if we say, oh, I hear you, then maybe the mechanics could work. And it's not just about politics. Obviously, what Oprah was doing on 60 Minutes was literally political. But it's about any conversation that we have with people. It takes a lot of work to um, be able to respond in a way that is rational Mm -hmm. and kind, and Kind enough. You can be kind and still have true belonging. See, here's the thing. Civility, which is super important, is you can – I can disagree with a lot of people's perspective and still be civil. We just had a woman here this morning who we're going to have on Friday. This Friday. Yeah. yeah. Podcast Uh, number
0: 398.
1: Exactly. Um, uh, Dania Rosen, who is the um,
0: executive executive director director of?
1: Peer Health Exchange. Thank you. And she's wonderful and you'll love the show. But she was talking about certain things. And when we were done, she said, I hope I didn't make you uncomfortable that I was talking about issues that I disagreed with. And I said, absolutely not. People can share their perspective as long as they're not throwing anyone else under the bus. Mm -hmm. That's that's where Todd and I, or I know I definitely do, and I think you would agree, I draw the line.
0: Well, we get Facebook comments and some people respectfully disagree, like Charles. Remember Charles? Like, no, I totally disagree with you guys. But kindly. But kindly. And we, you know, I became smarter as a result of Charles. Charles, and he he went to our conference.
1: He did. He and his wife came to our
0: conference. Whereas we've also had Facebook post of the trolls say you know screaming and squaring and all that, and we just delete them.
1: Right. Or just if they're unkind or cruel, block. Yeah, we you know block them I mean? or
0: delete it or whatever. You know, it's not on our thread. Right. You know, safety. you got to be yeah, civility safety on our page. Yeah. yeah,
1: civility and safety. And that's the thing is that it's not about the opinion; mm. it's how it's expressed. And even that can be kind of wilderness-y because sometimes your people will be like, you didn't come on strong enough. You Mm -hmm. weren't progressive enough. You weren't conservative enough. You weren't mean enough. You weren't mad enough. And there is a a middle place, and that is what this is. So we're going to talk about this more next week because I know Todd really wants to get to the next thing, Um, but I will just finish by saying um, that – well, I don't. I don't want to dive back into this because this is bringing up more about civility. So I'll just stop. Are you sure? Well, I, there's. I mean, there's so much to talk about. But we probably. How long have we gone already? We're
0: thirty-five minutes in.
1: Okay, so we'll talk more about this next week, and we'll dive in more into critical mass. We'll talk more into about uh, inclusive language, and we'll talk about what collective assembly means, and um, becoming more aware of how we can make an impact. So that's for next week.
0: Um. So. Oh, real quick. What is Team Zen, sweetie? Will you explain what Team Zen is? Team
1: Zen is our virtual community. We were just mentioning it, that two women were able to uh, find each other and now are meeting in their home state. Um, It's a virtual community of people who listen to the show or like Zen parenting or like the idea of it. And we offer um, some podcasts during the month that are live. If you can't make the live talks, uh, we email it to you so you can watch it on your own time or listen to to it at your own time. We also have a Facebook page where we answer questions and we have resources and we offer whatever people are looking for. And obviously the community connection where people, it's not just about us. It's about other people who are on teams and who are helping each other.
0: There you go. Um, and maybe you just said that cause I was looking at something else. How do you, how do you,
1: so if you want to subscribe, it is a subscription service. You do pay because it's kind of like an how extra much? job for Todd and I, um, is $25 a month. And you can join and uh, participate in any way you want. I mean, some people are really vocal or on every call. They respond to every thread and some people are listening.
0: Some people can describe it as just another podcast. Other people, it's interactive. So we have back and forth with our listeners. Other people can can consider it like a group coaching um, thing. You struggle with something and you get some help from me and you and some of the of other, other amazing people. people that are on. so
1: And that's the thing is I think we created this because of the feedback we were getting about people said, I want to ask you a question or I actually want to have a conversation with you or I want you. And so this is that opportunity. Yeah. So if you, you know, we can't really do that with the regular show, but if you're like, I just want to ask you a specific question, here this you go. This is the way
0: to do it. Yep. So so
1: you go to zenparentingradio.com, click Team Zen and you can subscribe.
0: In the upper right hand corner is something called Get Zen. And then you just click on Join Team Zen. Very simple. So, sweetie, you posted something on Facebook last week. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you shared an article called The Keeper. What is that?
1: So it was a a blog written – I actually took it from Alexandra Solomon's page, Dr. Solomon. We've had her on the show before. She posted it. So I don't know if she knows this woman. But this woman – what was the name of the Facebook page where it came from? I want to give the blogger her due because I I didn't write it. Lucky
0: Orange Pants. So
1: Lucky Orange Pants. It was her – she's the blogger who wrote it. And basically it was called I Am the Keeper. And it was all about um, the parent um, who feels that they are the – protector, um, the person who takes care of the emotional and often invisible needs of the family. Mm-hmm. And it was written beautifully. And there was a lot of response to it. And I, it resonated with me too.
0: Well, and you said the parent, and it could be a- Male
1: or female. Mom mm-hmm.
0: or a dad or mm-hmm. a male or a female. But in, so, so then you kind of wrote this post- after sharing it, mm-hmm. and you say on the show, we usually call it CEO of the family, but I like this so much. And then you wrote these words, I'm the keeper, I'm the keeper of schedules, and so on and so forth, right?
1: Oh, I didn't write that. She wrote that. That's oh. her blog.
0: Oh, so you just copied and pasted Correct. this. Correct. Okay, now yes. I understand.
1: That's why I want to give her due. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
0: So you shared it. wow. Mm-hmm. This this sucker's been shared 43 times. So mm-hmm. obviously it touched a nerve. It sure did. So then we get this uh, Facebook post from our friend who lives here in Elmhurst. Her name is Jennifer. And did she,
1: did she want you to share that?
0: Well, there's a lot of Jennifer's in Elmhurst, sweetie. Good point. Good point. If I said her last name, that might be a problem. <laughs> okay. So this is what she said. So I just saw your post and the lovely little article called I Am The Keeper. I want to share what happened in my house when I stumbled upon that same piece yesterday. I loved it. I sent it to all my girlfriends and they all thanked me for sharing. I then sent it to my husband. Let's just say we spent the morning in a fight. He reacted so strongly that I was honestly confused and hurt. So we'll stop there. Does that make sense? Uh Okay. So uh, husband is not taken to the sharing of this. So his point of view is this, that he is sick of these types of articles. Says no one ever sees the long list of what he does for our family, nor does he go around constantly listing or pointing out what he does in a day. He thinks what we both do is great and a lot, but says it's life. It's what we signed up for. It's called parenting. He asked, why do you need me to give you constant pats on the back? And then she says in parentheses, which as you can tell, I don't get many. Mm -hmm. He's a great husband in so many ways, and we do appreciate all he does. But is it weird that he needs no acknowledgement that he's doing well or is appreciated and that I sometimes do need that? Thank God for my girlfriends because we understand all that moms do. But does he have a point? Are all these articles always geared to us moms? Mm. So that's what she wrote.
1: It's a great question. It is a great question. And we had an interaction with her
0: online, but privately. So these are some of the thoughts that I had. Okay. Um, so I want to talk to the dads out there who may agree with this guy saying, you know, I work really hard and I don't get constant pats on the back for doing what I do. Um If you, hmm, I'm going to get in trouble. In order to be the best husband we can be, what we try to do is meet the needs of our partners as best we can. If our partner needs those pats on the back, even though we don't, who cares? And what I mean by that is give them what they need. I, I think that it is, you know, when I talk to groups, I have this thing where, you know, which, I'm going to give you two words, which one's more masculine, which one's more feminine. And like, you know, support, supportive is like for me, like a feminine word, like when I'm in my feminine, cause I have feminine masking qualities in me. When I'm in my feminine, I need support. I need consoling. I need nurturing. That's what I need. And it just so happens, you know, many females, many women are more in their feminine and they need more. So if, if Kathy, if you wanted this and you do, you like support, who doesn't, right?
1: Well, I think human beings do. Human
0: beings do. Um, and let's just say I didn't, it doesn't matter if you need it, I'm going to give it to you. So a lot of that is communication. You you need to ask for what you're, what you're needing. So maybe our listener never really said that, like, you know, I need more support. I need more compliments. I need more acknowledgement of what it is that I do. So if she hasn't, and he hasn't known that, then that's the first step now. But if the husband knows this, then give her the support and the acknowledgement that she needs. Because, you know, one thing I learned early in our marriage is just because something wouldn't bother me doesn't mean it's okay that it shouldn't bother you. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. yeah. So those are the first sets of questions or thoughts that I have when I first heard this.
1: So a few things are that, number one... um, you you know, you're starting out by saying you're kind of taking her at her word that she needs pats on the back and he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I disagree with that completely. Okay. I think that when you are, if he, and I don't know that he is, but any person, male or female, in a traditional workplace is receiving mm-hmm. pats on the back, sure. even if it's not every day. They right. also receive criticism and have challenging days. I'm not saying it's easy. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, lived in that workspace for a long time, kind of still do in many ways. and But there are... There is a salary. Yeah, there are bonuses. There, those
0: those are acknowledgments. There
1: are lunches. Yeah. There are free tickets to a game. There are going. Go- there is going golfing. There is the um you know the award for the end of the month. And not everybody gets that. But I think sometimes we take those things for granted because those are things that the stay at home parent, if it be mom or dad, but it typically is not not typically I statistically is more mom mm-hmm. is at home does not get those things. Right. So someone could come home and say, well, I don't get any acknowledgement for my job and that's not true cuz yeah. you're bringing home a paycheck sure. so you're already getting acknowledged so when so it's kind of like recognizing what's already happening you are getting acknowledged for your work you are bringing in the money and you may be the biggest decision maker because you're the biggest breadwinner so right there you have a lot of power that i don't have and in that and, and even though it, it, the the power should be shared it doesn't always feel that it is mm-hmm shared because when one person's bringing in the money, sometimes everybody gives that person more, you know, gives them more like their, their decision has
0: more weight. So I feel like what you're saying is in a professional setting, uh-huh. there's built in acknowledgements, Correct. Correct. whereas stay at home moms or dads, there's nothing. there is none. Mm-hmm. So maybe to bring the balance back to the force yes. is yes. The, an, occasional <laughs> yeah, the, the, an, an
1: occasional blog. Yeah. The
0: An occasional blog saying, yes, I am the keeper. Because the amount of things that stay-at-home moms or dads do is completely, in my opinion, underappreciated, undervalued, and in- a lot harder than it looks. And
1: invisible. And Here, invisible. That's the key to the CEO of the family, which is what we call it, and then in this blog she called it I Am the Keeper, are things that nobody knows that are happening that are happening. How do you think we end up on vacation. Okay, maybe one person pays for it more, but how do you think that whole thing occurs? Or how do you think everyone ends up with a Christmas present? Mm. Or how do you think that everything works out really well at Easter time with gifts or where we're going? Or how how is the refrigerator stocked? Mm. Or how is everything that was, that's been thrown all over the kitchen cleaned up? Or how is this child who's been struggling with their sadness? Who's talking to them? Mm. And who's spending time in their bed? And who is doing the laundry mm. and doing the things that everyone expects and many couples will say we're both doing it Mm. we're sharing it but oftentimes especially if one person is working a traditional nine to five or seven to eight job there is one person who is doing all that and nobody is acknowledging it because it's invisible it's it's just you have to have clean underwear so you do so nobody says hey every day thanks for my clean clothes you just expect it and and it's more than that. It's who fixed the pipe downstairs yeah. and who made sure it, – it, it's, it's the phone calls and the structure and the paying for the books. And the point is, is it's not about needing more pats on the back. It's not about one person's value is greater than the other. It's about can we acknowledge the invisible because it's very hard for an outward acknowledge of invisible – because by definition it's invisible. Mm-hmm. So when you have a group of people, if it be moms or dads who recognize that and look at that blog and say, "Oh, that's me." Mm-hmm. And you know, you you the other comment you made is she needs to ask for it. She did by showing him the blog.
0: It possibly was possibly true. Door opener. It was a door opener, but she didn't we don't know, but right. she said, "Oh, look at this." And you know, the the husband may have been like, "Oh, interesting." Now, if the guy has presence and can read between the lines, let's just say she was ambiguous saying, isn't this interesting? It's not like she said please acknowledge me no, because that requires a lot of vulnerability Correct. and things like that. Right. So as guys or as partners, we need to read between the lines of, you know, they may be saying one thing, but what is the message that right. is trying to be conveyed Why here? is
1: my partner showing me yes, this blog? Exactly. And it may not be to say, pat me on the back. Yeah. It may mean to say, I want you to know me better. Yeah. I want you to know the things I do, not because I think you owe me anything, but because it's something that is undiscussed. It's not discussed. We just expect it. And I am willing to do it, meaning I'm not saying that I won't do it, nor am I saying I shouldn't have to do it. I'm going to do it. But can we talk about and acknowledge the fact that I do do this Mm -hmm. and that there's that's a sense of, you know, knowing your value within the family? Like, does. Do we know this? Because I see what you do, because it's very obvious, because you get up in the morning and you go and you come home and you bring home a paycheck and you take the phone calls and you're on your computer and I see you. But sometimes it's very hard to see what a stay-at-home parent does, because a lot of times when a when the other spouse will come home and say, what'd you do? And you said, oh, we went to the grocery store and we went to the zoo and then we had a play date, the, wor- the person who's working out of the home may say, oh, that sounds great. That sounds so fun. Oh, that sounds easy. Your day is easy, and that day was the hardest, emotionally taxing day. But you don't understand that unless mm. you've done it. Mm-hmm. And I know you know this because no, no, we I used hear to you. talk about this all well, the time.
0: And I kind of feel like this is a you know, as a teaching tool. I love the idea of the emotional bank account because it's possible that our listener and her husband they may have both been on empty that day.
1: Correct. It could have had nothing to do with the content. So, yeah.
0: So the, so what do I mean by emotional bank account? As a partner to Kathy, what I try to do is make as many deposits into her emotional bank account as I can. And she conversely tries to do the same thing for me, and we both try to do it for our kids and everything else. So that way you always have something to pull from. You're, what is a deposit? A deposit is a foot rub. A, dis, a, a deposit is listening. A, listening. a deposit is ordering pizza and picking it up taking and Taking care of home. dinner. Mm-hmm. A deposit is taking care of dinner. A, a A deposit is looking at somebody in the eye while they're talking. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, us guys tend to think like it's only about the big stuff, about taking our family on vacation, but it's the little stuff that actually, in my opinion, means a lot more. So if you can consistently make deposits into your emotional bank account, so because I know for a fact that whenever you and I struggle, sweetie, Uh it's when we're both tapped out. If if you're tapped out and and I got, I'm full... I can rise above and not take the bait for a fight Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Or if I'm empty and you're in a really good place, we'll figure it out where we get into trouble. And it doesn't happen very often, but when we do, it's when we're both empty. Mm -hmm. So the idea in a relationship is to consistently make deposits in the emotional bank account. And the other thing that we've talked about on this podcast many times, but it's worth bringing up again is love languages. Jennifer's may be words Mm -hmm. and his may be acts of service. service. Mm -hmm. He's going out and working his tail off And that is an unbelievable act of service. But in Jennifer's world, that may be her fourth most important love language.
1: She needs to hear that he knows yes. what she's doing not in a coddling way right. now one of the things that's um, really important also is the perspective in this situation but also any situation where we have kind of that view that everything is a pie and that if one ter- pe- you know one person takes a piece and there's less for me or if you're doing really good work that means it's taking away from my good work the truth is is that both things can be true at once mm-hmm. in any relationship and we'll just use these two for a second but the spouse who is working outside the home can be contributing in a major way and doing so much, and the spouse who is working inside the home can be doing so much and contributing in a major way, and both things can be true. And we don't have to look at it as a competition of who's working harder because as soon as we think it's a competition of who's working harder, that's when these kind of arguments happen where when somebody comes and says, look at what I do or this blog is meaningful to me, the other spouse feels defensive as if they have to demonstrate how much work they're doing too to rise to what the other person is saying they're doing. It's not a competition. Both of you can be working at a hundred percent. both of you could be giving all your heart and soul and it doesn't take away from each other right. So that's really to me a big part of this argument is I would be willing to guess and I could be wrong, but that he felt as if she was asking for something and that meant he wasn't doing enough. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not what she's saying.
0: But that's our default. That's my default is if you bring something up, I always be like, what did I do wrong? Or right. how is it, you know, you're pointing the finger at me, so I must have done something wrong. Whereas she wanted to share. Right. And he's like, and and I'm guessing, you know, who knows? Right. We're just guessing. He may have been like, you don't think I do this for you?
1: Right. Or you don't see the work I do? Yeah. Or why are you guys writing blogs about everything you do? I don't read any blogs about what I do. and. And part of the reason, if he's listening to this, is because what you do is mainstream, yeah. is even though you have a hard job and you are under the gun and there is so much pressure, there's a more traditional viewpoint of you have value. We need you to do what you're doing.
0: As, as dictated by society. As
1: dictated by society, we being a breadwinner, going to a... So everybody already views you as a valuable member of society. Yeah. Mothers and caregivers or fathers who are staying home are often viewed as they're not doing as much as everybody else yet here they are keeping this is the essence of this blog the humanity of their children and their family intact yeah. and that their everyday experience with their kids is how to raise humans mm-hmm. you know that they're like helping humans become grown-up humans and there's this you know, disconnect that we have about why that's so important. So when parents find something like that, they can bond over. Yeah. That's why it's not about let's let's go toe to toe about who's better.
0: Yeah, it's about both are true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hopefully that's helpful. I hope so. Was, I, I when I when I heard when I got the uh, Facebook question i'm like wow this is really you know i don't know i'm more fascinated by relationship stuff than anything it's just interesting to me so
1: well and it it blends into what's going on with our children i mean even though we don't often go you know talk to each other about who's more important you know what our kids have to say has value and just because they don't like something doesn't mean we need to be offended by them and it's the exact same kind of um self-awareness even though it's about different issues is are we really are we in competition with people are we trying to prove why our lives are more difficult are we trying to prove why we're more valuable or do we have an innate sense of value and also i would say to jennifer in a way you bringing him that blog and him saying back to you nobody writes blogs about what i do he's also saying to you i would like to be acknowledged too And that's okay. Yeah. That's, that's a valuable thing to hear is even with all the societal validation that he we may perceive that he receives, yeah. he would like you to know it too. Mm-hmm. And he may want you to occasionally say, thank you. Even if you think, I already do that, he's saying.
0: Well, and if Jennifer has the strength and the vulnerability to, you know, as we said, you know, I've been in situations where you and I are not connecting. This is a while ago, but um i had my headphones on i was traveling and instead of you like you know having a big fight you start acknowledging the few things that i was doing in that moment thank you for taking out the garbage thank you for dropping the girls off at school and that put me in a position to see what you were doing so I can reciprocate.
1: And it's that alongside speaking up yes. because I'm not trying to be manipulative. Right. I'm not like, I'm going to shower him with kindness and therefore he'll see me. Yeah. So just in to, to kind of summary and to bring the threads of the, you know, starting to talk about Brene Brown's book and then this question by Jennifer is, is this whole thing is a wilderness thing. Are we willing to, you know, like just the example that I just gave about, you know, he may need some acknowledgement too. And a lot of people who are like just thinking about the stay-at-home parent, they may say, no, no, it just needs to be about us. And no, it doesn't. It's about both of us. Now I will stand up and speak for what I think is most important, and I will speak up for myself, but that doesn't keep me from understanding that Todd has a perspective too, right. and that is the wilderness, is a lot of times we're either one side or the other. You're either with me or you're not with me. You're either with me or you're against me. That's what's going to kill us. We all have to be willing, even in our own marriages, to brave the wilderness and to try a different path and to be honest about how we feel while simultaneously honoring the other person, because the game that we have going right now in a lot of marriages it's either my way or the highway.
0: Or It's transactional, or we're keeping score of who's doing what. Right, and it's a recipe for disaster. You
1: can do that, but you're not. You're going to keep having the same issues. Yeah. People that I work with keep coming to me and saying, "Well, I'm doing this, and this isn't working. I'm doing this, and this isn't working." And my comment is, "That's because you're doing this. You're mm-hmm. trying to manipulate, and you're trying to pretend, and you're trying to be in a competition of who wins." If
0: you can give more than what you're get than what you're getting, like just you know, sacrifice oneself for the sake of the relationship. If you get two people that do that, you're golden. Like, I feel like that's the definition of equality marriage. When one person will do more for the other person, then this is going to come out wrong, but then for themselves. But the bottom line is, if you're keeping score saying, well, I, if, if I have to do this, then you have to do that. You're, it's a recipe for disaster. Well,
1: it's transactional, like you yeah. said. And your language, because I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's, it didn't but come out. You right. said sacrificing myself for the other. And that, he Taj is saying, can you give more give of more. yourself? Right. The, the but in there, can you at the same time have true belonging? Yeah. Where you're not trying to just fit a mold or a role, and you're not trying to just do things to make the other person happy. This is the the paradox. You are being yourself, and you are speaking up, and you are saying, I will listen to you. Will you listen to me? And here's how I really feel. Not, I'm fine. I'm fine. No big deal. I'm fine. Because that's a recipe for disaster, too. So at the same time, listen to this crazy paradox. Give more of yourself and have true belonging. Belonging, where you speak up for yourself Mm. and you ask for what you need. And they may sound contradictory, but they're not. The more you can do one, the easier it is to do the other. And it's also braving the wilderness because if you talk to a group of of let's focus on the women for a second. You could go into a group of women and complain about your spouse and you're going to get a lot of normalizing. Mm. You're going to get a lot of my spouse too and my husband too and that's what men are like and they're jerks and they don't understand us. You could try and fit into that and pretend you belong to that. But is that true belonging? Do you really feel empowered there or do you feel momentarily you know, normalized and then you walk out of there and you feel horrible again. It's almost like gossip. Yeah. You know, it kind of revs you up for a second, but then you're like, okay, I still have the same problem. Right.
0: So, um, sweetie, what is the Zen parenting conference?
1: So Zen parenting conference is, uh, March 2nd and 3rd of of March. I was gonna say March 2nd and 3rd of March. Do you think I said that enough of 2018? Lady
0: redundant woman, lady
1: redundant woman. Um, does anybody watch word girl? You remember lady redundant woman? And what's the sandwich guy? I don't know. That's Fred, your sister's Stoler. friend, Fred Stoller. He's he's the sandwich guy. Anyway, um, it is next year we have Cheryl Strayed, who you may know is the author of Wild and Tiny Beautiful Things and the Dear Sugar podcast. We have Orly Waba, who is leading a kindness initiative all over this world and is amazing, and you're going to love her. And then we have Mike Damish, who focuses on sexual assault, consent, and just having healthy... Um, relationships overall and all three of them are amazing speakers full of wisdom and forces for good which is the theme of next year's conference so if you believe yourself to be a force for good and you want to be surrounded by forces for good then you need to get to our conference and you go to zenparentingradio.com and live events and you're going to find it
0: Um, and we have about half the people that come to the conference are from out of town. Yes, half. So if you're from out of town and you're not in New Zealand, actually I just got an email from some lady in New Zealand. She's like, I want to go, but...
1: I'm in New Zealand. I'm in
0: New Zealand. Understood. Um, We'd love to have you. We would love to have you. And then we also have something called Zen Friend, and that is like a scholarship program for people who can't afford to go to the conference. Um, For people who have the ability and the resources to be able to help those people out, we provide the vehicle for that. So... Um, these are three of our most recent Zen friends. You ready, sweetie?
1: Sure. And just can I give a little more than sure. just we provide a vehicle for it? Basically, we it's a scholarship program, and when you buy your ticket, or maybe if you're not even buying a ticket, you donate mm. to the Zen friend program you know, scholarship. And then when people email us and say, I can only afford this much or I can only afford one ticket, we use that money to allow these people to attend.
0: That's right. And don't forget about Sweetie's books, which you could find on our website. And I do coaching for guys. So you can check that out. That's all at uh, zenparentingradio.com. Just click on what we do. I think that's the tab. I don't know. Yeah.
1: And then the Zen friends. You didn't read them.
0: And then, oh, thank you. The Zen friends are Kelsey Holt.
1: Thank you, Kelsey.
0: Healthy Winninger. No, Heather Sorry, Heather, what did I say? Healthy. <laughs> healthy. Heather,
1: you are healthy, but you're also- your Healthy Heather.
0: Heather Winninger <laughs> and Bill Dwight from famzoo.com. For those of you guys who don't know who Famzoo is, uh, it's a financial- literacy for kids, and among other things. So go to famzoo.com. And we use Um And we do. Um,
1: so all of those people, thank you for, for being Zen friends. And I want you to know that we have more than, I mean, I'm a little inundated with emails, um, but that doesn't mean don't email me. If you want to come to the conference and for some reason you can't, um, you just need a discount or you need support or whatever, Email me. If you can afford the ticket, please buy it. Yeah. Because then, you know, I want to help the people who really believe they can't make it. So um, go to ZenParentingRadio.com. Go to, all you have to do is go to go, what does it say in the corner again? Go Zen. Get Zen. Get Zen. And then that's just, if you go there, everything's there. Live events, Team Zen, our podcast, like the the website's awesome.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Brad.
1: Thanks, Brad, who made our website. Check out
0: the big brain on Brad. Uh Uh-huh. Um, so to close the show, I want to read two stories and it's going to take a while, but the only people who listen to the very end are, are diehards anyways.
1: You're going to, you're going to read that entire story.
0: It's worth it, sweetie. It's inspiration. You don't have to be here. You can leave if you want. Really? Sure. I mean, it'll take two minutes, but. All right. Well, I'm not going to leave you, but it's just a lot of reading. So yeah. Just. Why don't you skim the story? I'll skim it. Whatever. Don't worry about it. Okay. So a listener shot me this email. And it's a history story about Chicago, and I think it's worth reading. So it'll take a few minutes. So just buckle up, buckle in, settle in. So there's a guy out there named Al Capone back from the 1920s, and he was a bad guy, and they made a movie called Untouchables about him. So Al Capone had a lawyer nicknamed Easy Eddie. He was Capone's lawyer for a good reason. Eddie was very good. In fact, Eddie's skill at legal maneuvering kept Big Al out of jail for a long time. To show his appreciation, Capone paid him very well. Not only was the money big, but Eddie got special dividends as well. Eddie lived the high life of the Chicago mob and gave little consideration to the atrocity that went on around him. However, Eddie did have one soft spot. He had a son that he loved dearly. Eddie saw saw to it that his young son had clothes, cars, and a good education. And despite his involvement with organized crime, Eddie even tried to teach him right from wrong. Eddie wanted his son to be a better man than he was. Yet, with all his wealth and influence, there were two things he couldn't give his son. He couldn't pass on a good name or a good example. One day, Easy Eddie reached a difficult decision. Easy Eddie wanted to rectify wrongs he had done. He decided he would go to the authorities and tell the truth about Al Scarface Capone clean up his tarnished name and offer his son some semblance of integrity to do this he would have to testify against the mob and he knew that the cost would be great but he testified within the year easy eddie's life ended in a blaze of gunfire on a lonely chicago street but in his eyes he had given his son the greatest gift he had to offer at the greatest price he could ever pay Police removed from his pockets a rosary, a crucifix, a a religious medallion, and a poem clipped from a magazine. So that's the first story. Um, And then I'm going to read the second story. And then there's a connection of what brings these stories together. So this is story number two. Uh, There's a guy named uh, Commander Butch O'Hare. He was a fighter pilot assigned to the aircraft carrier Lexington in the South Pacific. One day, his entire squadron was sent on a mission. After he was airborne, he looked at his fuel gauge and realized that some someone had forgotten to top off his fuel tank. He would not have got he would not have enough fuel to complete his mission and get back to his ship. His flight leader told him to return to the carrier reluctantly, he dropped out of formation and headed back to the fleet. As he was returning to the mothership, he saw something that turned his blood cold. A squadron of Japanese aircraft was speeding its way towards the American fleet. The American fighters were gone on a sortie, and the fleet was all but defenseless. He couldn't reach his squadron and bring them back in time to save the fleet. Nor could he warn the fleet of the approaching danger. There's only one thing to do. He must somehow divert them from the fleet. Laying aside all thoughts of personal safety, he dove into the formation of Japanese planes. Wing-mounted 50 calibers blazed as he charged in, attacking one surprised enemy plane and then another. Butch wove in and out of the now-broken formation and fired at as many planes as possible until all his ammunition was finally spent. Undaunted, he continued the assault. He dove at the planes, trying to clip a wing or tail in hopes of damaging as many enemy planes as possible, rendering them unfit to fly. Finally, the exasperated Japanese squadron took off in another direction. Deeply relieved, Butch O'Hare and his tattered fighter limped back to the carrier. Upon arrival, he reported in and related the event surrounding his return. The film from the gun camera mounted on his plane told the tale. It showed the extent of Butch's daring attempt to protect his fleet. He had, in fact, destroyed five enemy aircraft. This took place on February 20th, 1942. And for that, Butch became the Navy's first ace of World War II and the first naval aviator to win the Congressional Medal of Honor. A year later, Butch was killed in an aerial combat at the age of 29. His hometown would not allow the memory of his World War hero hero to fade. And today, O'Hare Airport in Chicago is named in tribute to the courage of this great man. So the next time you find yourself at O'Hare International, give some thought to visiting Butch's memorial, displaying his statue and his Medal of Honor. It's located between Terminals 1 and 2. So what do these two stories have to do with each other? Butch O'Hare was Easy Eddie's son. That's it. Mm -hmm. I thought that that was an amazing story. And it's true. And it's true. And this guy um, decided that he was going to take a stand. He was going to speak up. Easy Eddie. Easy Eddie. And against Al Capone, he lost his life because of it. He got killed by Al Capone's guys a year later. Uh, But think about what that meant. Like, think about the butterfly effects, the ripples of what one good decision might mean in this world.
1: And if we are willing to go into the world and and brave the wilderness, which basically means stand up for what we believe is right and speak up and be civil to other people while we're doing it. You know, there is no equation that says to stand up for what I need to stand up for. I need to throw everyone else under the bus. You don't. You can stand up for what you believe is right and be civil. Our children learn how to do the same. We don't need to lecture to them. We don't need to give them any books. They just watch what we do. So that is always like Easy Eddie and our Commander O'Hare. Was he a commander? Should I call him that? Or- I don't know.
0: He was Butch O'Hare. Butch he was O'Hare. He's one of the braver guys you ever want to hear about. And
1: I sure use that airport all the time.
0: Yes, we do. Um, so that's story time with Todd. That's a new segment. I, oh, is it? Uh, fireside Chat with Todd
1: You know what, actually you did a really good job You, really? S-
0: you spoke really good oh, well, and clear um, um, So yes So last two things, our partners, Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company Painting and Remodeling, he's redoing some of our basement He's going to redo our studio
1: Yes, thank goodness
0: Thank you, Jeremy uh, Avidco.net, 6309 And then don't forget about Dr. Kelly, she's our chiropractor She adjusts twice a month And she keeps us healthy uh, Healthy families by choice Not by chance um, and you can uh, learn more about Dr. Kelly from, by going to CairoTree.com. So uh, that's kind of the deal. Um, parting words, sweetie?
1: Brave the wilderness, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week about our experience of hearing Brene on Wednesday.
0: And keep trucking. Adios
1: everyone thanks for listening we appreciate you and we hope you'll join us next time
0: if you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio consider leaving us a review on iTunes this helps people find us you can also tell a friend about our show are you a force for good yes
1: <laughs> if so then get your tickets for the Zen Parenting Conference March 2nd and 3rd 2018 with Cheryl Strade, Orly Waba and Mike Domish
0: when purchasing your tickets consider becoming a Zen friend for our conference scholarship program Let's make sure anyone who wants to attend can be there. Come see us. We look forward to having everyone in Chicago.
1: Check out all of our live events at zenparentingradio.com. You can also find our virtual community of listeners that we call Team Zen. You can find books and podcasts that we recommend and so many other opportunities and resources.
0: Go to zenparentingradio.com. If you want to know more about self awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's awesome award winning books at ZenParentingRadio.com or on Amazon. Thank you. You're welcome. And just so you know, I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys. <laughs> on the phone, Skype, or in person, contact me to uncover the subtle shifts that will change your life. If you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out the TribeMensGroup.com. We would love to have you be a part of the tribe.
1: If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link found on our homepage, zenparentingradio.com, under Support Us. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon.
0: I want to give a special thanks to our partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. They've been with us since the start, and we love them.
1: And to all of you, thanks Thanks for your love love and support.
0: support. Keep (laughs) trucking. Bye.
1: Bye.